Hello everyone, today's uh, Tanya, we are learning in chapter number 20. And the concept that we're trying to bring out here is that the whole world basically doesn't exist in a true independent existence and really doesn't exist at all. The only true existence is God. And once we understand that, we will better understand how one who violates any of the commandments and basically says that there is something outside of God's will, as on a certain level is considered idolatry, and therefore this can allow us as Jews to recognize that just like we're ready to give our life, not to commit idol worship, we can employ that hidden spark, that love that every Jew has for God, to be able to overcome any any sin or any violation of God's will, recognizing that really that would be separating oneself from God and committing idolatry, which a Jew would do, would stop himself or herself from doing at any cause, even up to giving their life. So basically, how do we illustrate that there's nothing but God? Basically, we understood from yesterday that the whole world was created by God's word, um, so the word of God is so insignificant it's as if it doesn't exist. But now we're going to explain how the word is insignificant. To illustrate from the soul of a human being, a person utters one word, a word, a single word is completely considered nothing compared to the power of speech as a whole. A person could speak thousands and millions of words, so one word compared to the ability to speech is incomparable. And basically, we know that there's three garments of the soul, thought, speech, and action. And a speech is the middle um, garment, um, the faculty of speech. Now, since basically the faculty can produce infinite number of words, and therefore, compared to the infinite number of words, the one word that the person says has no value. Actually, in truth, there is a limited amount that one could speak um, because the physical organs basically have a limited, limited functional Ability, but the soul's capacity of speech is limitless. Now, surely, now this word has no value compared to the higher garment, the soul's innermost garment, which is thought, even higher than speech. Um, that's the, the garment closest to the soul, the faculty of thought, which is the source of speech. Well, um, and it's life force. You think first, and then after that, the speech comes. So, Definitely one word compared to the ability to speak infinite amount of words compared to the thought, which is even higher than speech, higher this meaning that's closer to the soul. And it goes without saying that the word is nothing compared with the essence and entity um, of the soul itself, which are the ten faculties of the soul. As we said, there's three intellectual faculties of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, chachmah, bin, and das, and the seven emotional kindness, chesed, gvura, teferis, that kindness, verity, compassion, and so on. Now here he calls them as the essence of the soul, these ten powers. Really, that's not even really the essence of the soul, but he's comparing it to the garments to consider the essence of the soul. And we know that even the, um, from the faculties of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and the emotions, that's where the letters of thought that are closed in one speech um, when uttered comes from basically every thought that a person has is either intellectual or emotional um, so they come from our intellectual faculties our emotional faculties when we speak basically um, 
letters begin, language begins in thought. So intellect and emotion have no le- language, no letters. Then in our thought, it begins the letters. And then from them there, we articulate them by saying them. Because um, thought, like speech, basically consists of letters, except that the letters of thought are more spiritual and refined. Um, obviously, because we can't, another person doesn't, doesn't see it. But the, the initial desire we have, the emotion itself for something, this person desires to have ice cream. The desire itself doesn't have any language. It's basically, it's a feeling. Now, how to actualize that desire of my, uh, let's say, wanting that ice cream, then you have to think. That's already in letters. How am I going to buy it? That's already in a language. Um, now, that, so we can understand, so the 10 attributes of Chachma, Bina, and Das are, are and, and the emotions, the seven emotions, are the root of the thought, um, and they do not have letters before they go into thought. So the, the letters only apply um, when the idea is practical, when the feeling of desiring that ice cream is practical, and I now need to come up with some way of purchasing it. That's... Um, so that's so. Once the intellect or the emotion becomes practical, that's where you start the language. Um, but the the intellect itself and the emotion itself don't have language; they're higher than letters, um, higher way way beyond thought. So that's the process. For example, when a person becomes conscious of a certain love or desire in the heart, as we said, example, ice cream, before it has risen from the heart to the brain to meditate on it and ponder it. In other words, first you, someone told you about it, so you have a knowledge of it in your mind and then you have a feeling of desire for it. Um, does not have letters yet, just a desire, a pure desire for that uh, object of affection. Um, and surely before it's in the emotional level, just in the knowledge level, definitely in the intellect there is no letters. Um, meaning that at that point the thing was just known to him to be desirable and gratifying that it was something good and pleasant to, think, to, to cling to. Um, example would be to study a certain discipline or eat some delicacy. So in the level of intellectual appre- appreciation of the desirable object, before it became an emotion, there's certainly no letters. Only after the desire and the craving have already descended into the heart, um, became an emotion through the stimulus of wisdom and understanding and knowledge, and then went from the heart back to the brain to think, um, to meditate on how to implement the desire and actually obtain the food or actually studying the object, it is at that point, um, at the implementation stage, that the letters are born in one's mind, comprehending the language of each, basically based on the language of each nation that employ the letters when speaking and thinking about everything in the world. In other words, each of us thinks in our language, but pure feelings that hasn't reached the applied stage of thought transcends each nation's language because it doesn't express itself in letters. Love is itself a feeling, is beyond letters. So, so basically from this we can understand Alter Rebbe's statement earlier that a spoken word is other, one word with, is not, no, has no value in comparison to the soul's intellectual and emotional powers. We call it here the essence of the soul. So based on that, because we said there's intellect, then emotions, and then starts thought, which is words, so where the words begin, and then speech. So 
surely then the divine word that God used to create the world has no value. The word, let there be light and so on, absolutely, um, infinitely worthless compared to God himself. It's non-existent, the world, because it's just, it's just ten utterances. So from God's perspective, the world doesn't exist. And nothing changed when he created the world. So again, the bottom line is that the world's material significance compared to God, God is like a word compared to our intellectual consciousness. And therefore, the, there's nothing besides Hashem. Walking in knowledge, with this knowledge, we can look at the world from a different lens and realize that everything, Hashem is the true existence of everything, and therefore obviously nothing should get in the way of our observance of Torah mitzvahs because everything is just Hashem. May be revealed to all mankind with the coming of Mashiach now.